Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to NXT Then Now Forever. I'm James Boyd. I'm here doing a solo episode. I just want to give you guys a heads up. I will not be doing the retro episode of NXT TakeOver, the very first one from May of 2014. I'll do that on next week's episode. Um, be honest, while you know me and Rich just finished doing the LOP Raw and SmackDown review show, I kind of felt like I need a few days to kind of decompress from the main roster and kind of get my um, and kind of get back into the swing of things. So um, I actually did not watch NXT this week's NXT actually on Wednesday, and I'm watching it today on Friday. I just kind of need a, a little getaway from wrestling, <laughs> honestly. After you know the, the week of WWE television, like we end up getting in that being the end after that run we had of something like 40 weeks of, of doing the show. Um, some shows good, SmackDown usually was good, but Raw was just uh, just ugh. and I just kind of need to get a few days a- away from that. Um, but anyway, Thursday, uh, we end up getting preempted by the NBA Finals. I end up watching the show a few minutes ago, so I'm going to record this and go over. Um, the show, then preview NXT TakeOver 25 for you guys, and then we'll get out of here. But next week, I'll end up catching up on the um, TakeOver show, the first TakeOver show in 2014, and then we'll also do that week's retro show as well. And then we'll be back on schedule, and we'll also do, because um, you know, that's a light day because or light show because there's only two matches or so from the pre-show that they do so we'll we'll catch up and then we'll be all good so with that being said let's get into it i pour my heart out in that ring because i love this i walked in to take over new york as johnny gargano i walked out as johnny champion if adam cole wins i don't know what happens to nxt i've taken nxt to new heights with the undisputed era I want the fame, I want the glory, I want the magazine covers. There's not a thing that Johnny Gargano can do that is gonna stop me from getting what's mine. I'm fighting for the world right now. Johnny's trying to put the weight of the world on his shoulders and it's crumbling under me. Adam Cole has told the world that he can beat me on his own. For the first time in your life, Adam Cole, tell the truth, I dare you. Undisputed Era's numbers proving to be too much. This is a message for everybody out there. Undisputed Era is going nowhere. As long as my heart's still beating, I will not stop until Johnny's championship is over my shoulder. One-on-one, man-to-man. Adam Cole! Johnny Wrestling will be NXT champion. That, that's undisputed. WWE NXT 508 from May 29, 2019. 
We ended up getting Mia Yim versus Bianca Belair. We first get a replay from their match from three weeks ago where Bianca uses her hair in the ropes for leverage during a Rana Cradle for the victory. Mia opens the match with a drop kick. Bianca gets uh, control quickly after necking Mia against the top rope. Bianca gets a double leg. They do some some rope running spots that lead to Mia tripping Bianca up and then kicking her in the face. Mia hits a rolling cannonball in the corner. Mia lands some mid kicks until Bianca catches one and gets Mia on the ground for a pinfall attempt. Bianca quickly gets the heat with a double chicken wing, then transitions that into a full Nelson. Mia fights to her feet, then escapes with an arm drag. Bianca hits a delayed vertical suplex where she does multiple air squats before dropping Mia. Even while she's a heel, she's still out here <laughs> trying to stunt. So uh, Bianca then hits the ropes and hits a jumping, a jumping splash. Bianca mockingly slaps Mia uh, a bunch in the corner. Mia shoves her away to, uh, for some separation. Bianca charges and Mia ends up slapping Bianca into this wacky lucha submission in the ropes until she lets go, beating the five count. Bianca runs Mia's face along the ropes, kind of Dean Ambrose style. So, I'm sorry, Moxie style. Bianca lifts Mia up into an elevated chicken wing, double chicken wing. Mia rolls between Bianca's legs for a pin attempt. Mia double legs Bianca and goes for a jackknife cover for two. Mia gets a backslide for two. They stay connected and they end up bridging up together. Mia flips backwards to back to her feet by rolling over Bianca's back, and Bianca rocks her with a big forearm for two. Bianca gets frustrated and starts going for a cover again. No dice. Bianca slaps on another double wing chicken hold. Bianca gets her offer by sending Bianca through the ropes down to the floor. Bianca charges back into the ring. Mia sidesteps, and Bianca hits the ropes on the other side of the ring and comes back, and Mia ends up hitting her with a huge overhead belly-to-belly -belly suplex throw. Kind of like the Johnny Gargano thing, except not in the corner. Mia hits a comeback with kicks, punches, uh, throat chop, and a cold red for two. Bianca charges at Mia in the corner. Mia sidesteps, and Bianca's shoulder eats the post. Mia lands her eat-defeat finish, but Bianca rolls outside of the ring. Bianca heads up the ramp to take the count out. Mia goes after her, brings her back to the ring, then goes to ram her head against the apron, but Bianca gets the boot up and hits the brakes, and then hits Mia with a back elbow. Bianca gets another elevated double chicken wing and then drops her face first onto the apron. Bianca steps on Mia on the way into the ring, and then the ref starts counting. Mia beats the count at nine. Bianca clubs Mia over and over again on the back. Then she starts monster tossing her across the ring from corner to corner. Bianca gets Mia up in a front rack position for a power bomb, but Mia escapes to her feet and grabs Bianca by the hair and then hits her eat defeat finish with the added help of braid control for the win. Earlier before the match, commentary pointed out that Bianca had never been pinned on NXT before in NXT before. After the match, commentary put over that this was the biggest win of Mia's career. Next, we get a video package to hype up the match between Velveteen Dream and uh, Tyler Breeze for the North American title. In the video package, Velveteen pulls out his own selfie stick, and he talks about how Tyler Breeze couldn't hack it on the main roster. <laughs> uh, he also says that, he's gotten, that he hasn't gotten a standing ovation since he was told he was going to the main roster in the 
NXT roster at the time clapped for him. He says he calls Breeze things like the uh, the great value version of Velveteen. Breeze says that he's back and that he's the original and he's going to push Velveteen out of his spotlight. So then we're shown a replay of the three MMA horsewomen jumping Candice LeRae and uh, last week until EO ran out and made the save by sending the hills packing with a Kindle stick and some shots from the Kindle stick. Actually, more than just shots. He actually broke the damn thing. Uh, so then we're shown footage of an interview from earlier in the day as Jessamine and, and Shayna and Marina are wrapping up a photo shoot. Uh, Shayna says that EO can't use weapons in her takeover match and she's ran out of friends, but Shayna still has hers with her. Next match is Kushida versus Drew Gulak. They start by jockeying back and forth for holds from waist locks to hammer locks. Gulak turns a Greco-Roman knuckle lock into a into a single leg Boston Crab. Kushida rolls onto his back and then he gets his feet up into a spider guard. He then turns the spider guard into a triangle choke, but he doesn't quite get it locked, so Gulak is able to escape. Kushida turns a backslide into a crossface, then transitions to the other side with a side headlock. They go back and forth, putting each other in and out of cool-looking submissions up until we get to a point where Gulak hits the ropes and is attempting to hit uh, hit some type of move, but Kushida turns it into this awesome-looking uh, hip toss that in midair he turns into a armbar attempt. So Gulak uh, has his arms together. He's fighting to you know keep his arm from being freed. He ends up escaping and slapping on a um, a ankle lock. Um, then Kushida is able to grab the back of from the ankle lock. He's able to grab the back of Gulak's head and then roll him over and then slap back on another attempt for an armbar. Gulak is able to roll out into another ankle lock and then Kushida gets the ropes. Gulak charges Kushida in the corner. He moves. Kushida moves and he ends up hitting Gulak with an enziguri. Kushida gets Gulak in position for the hoverboard lock, but Gulak is able to protect his arm. They fight back and forth, back and forth, trying to free the arm or trying to protect the arm until they separate. Gulak lands a forearm and then charges, and then Kushida catches him with a flatliner and then gets a wacky pinning attempt for the win. After the match, Gulak is upset, and him and Kushida begin arguing, presumably because neither technician made the other submit. It seems like this beef is not over. It was a solid match, but you're kind of disappointed because you know that these two could have a much better match, especially if given more time if or if in a, a bigger stage, but it is what it is. And another thing is, you think of the Gulak match that Gulak had with Riddle from earlier in the year, and that match was a killer match, and you were thinking you are going to get that sort of thing with Kushida, but not yet. It, but it was a it was a great technique technical wrestling match next we get a backstage interview with eo she says that she's not afraid of Shayna or her friends so she can bring them to take over and she will not need a kindle stick to beat them or Shayna. so candace walks up from behind and interrupts candace thanks eo for making the save for her last week and at takeover she'll have eo's back eo thanks her back and then candace tells the interviewer that she can tell Shayna that we get a video package to hype up the Johnny Gargano-Adam Cole match. It starts by showing Johnny back in Cleveland after winning the NXT title at TakeOver New York. 
He's throwing out the first pitch at a hometown Major League Baseball game. He's visiting the Cleveland Browns. Yes, I'm not calling them that name that the baseball team plays by. Sorry. Um, he's doing radio interviews. He's visiting wrestling schools and letting the trainees hold the belts. He's taking photos with fans and kids. He's looking like he's running for office. This is Johnny Campaign, straight up. The only thing he didn't do was kiss babies in this segment. Um, and then we're shown Adam Cole and he's still upset that he lost the match and he still can't get over the fact that he won the first fall, but lost the last two. And the sticking point is that if it was a singles falls match, he would have won. So then, uh, Johnny says that he's been through so much and this is kind of his NXT and that he doesn't know what happened if, uh, it, it was left to Cole and then Cole says that he's taking NXT to a new levels and he says he wants all the fame and all the 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 respect and he also wants the magazine covers um i mean he better go holla at mandy rose she's on she's on magazine covers right now so uh then it turned into this epic thing where it's more or less talking about the the future of nxc is in these two these two hands based off of where it's going and it's almost like the fate of the world depends on of the nxc world and the nxc universe depends on this and it was really cool so then in the main event, we get this smaz of a match. Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch versus the Forgotten Sons. The match starts with Burch and uh, he, has a shot, he has a shotgun dropkick and sends Blake off of his feet and head first into the middle turnbuckle. Uh, Burch then penalty kicks Blake's left arm and then starts to work it over. Uh, Lorcan tags in and chops Blake and Cutler and he hits the ropes, but Riker ends up tripping his foot and then the heels take advantage. The ref isn't playing his bullshit, so he ends up tossing Riker um, so Riker goes up the ramp and starts arguing with the ref, and then here comes the boom. Here comes the <laughs> Riker gets completely decleated by the Street Profits, and they stomp his ass <laughs> into the ground. Uh, the match in the ring then breaks into a four way until the Street Profits run in, and then it's a no contest or double DQ or whatever you want to call it. So the six guys in the ring start brawling around and around until the Forgotten Sons were both thrown out the ring. We end up getting a stare down between the Street Profits and Lorcan and Birch. As the crowd chants, thank you, Profits. Bruh, nobody likes these dudes. Nobody likes Forgotten Sons. So um, they end up throwing those four, those geeks out. So then the four um, actual uh, teams people like and want to see a uh, fight, they start brawling until Cutler and Blake get back in the ring with some steel chairs. And they beat the hell out of those guys. Um, we're then shown Riker at the top of the ramp getting back to his feet. And then Cole and, and Strong, they end up uh, moving his ass back to the ground. They then toss him, sending him flying off the ramp down to the floor. Uh, the Undisputed then run a four-on-two attack on the other two Forgotten Sons and beat the hell out of those geeks. Uh, Cole and Roddy hit this com- this awesome combination V-trigger and super kick on Blake. And Fish and Roddy then hit their high-low combination finish on Cutler. Undisputed then began to pose until they see that Riker is back <laughs> on the top of the ramp. He somehow managed to climb his ass after all these whoopings already uh, all the way back up to the ramp. So then Cole pulls out the ladder from underneath the ring. And then all four of the uh, Undisputed end up uh, ramming this ladder through this dude's dome like a battering ram. Uh, then they start to pose again, but then they see that this dude Butler... Uh, I'm sorry, this dude, Riker, will not quit and has gotten back on his hands and knees and he's trying to get back up. So they end up grabbing the ladder again and they slam it across his back. Uh, finally, Riker stays down and then Undisputed set up the ladder at the top of the ramp in front of Riker's dead body. <laughs> and Cole climbs and sits on top of the ladder. He gets the mic, uh, hand it to him. 
And uh, while he's pointing at Riker's corpse, uh, he says, Gargano and Riddle at TakeOver, that is undisputed. And then the four finally pose, and we fade to black. I thought this was a pretty good show. I like the end of the match, or the end of the card, where they have the Undisputed all united again, and everything's copacetic after the, kind of their rough patches or whatever else through this entire cycle to get to this takeover, and now they're all in, you know prominently featuring the matches throughout the card with Cole in the title match, with Roddy in the match against Riddle, with Undisputed, O'Reilly, and Fish in the four-way for the, to get their tag titles back. Um, it, it, this is a nice time to get them kind of all put together and kind of get Bobby Fish back in place. He kind of been kind of off to the side um, a little bit while everybody was doing their thing. Um, I think they've sowed the seeds to where, you know, if there is a potential breakup, um, it's still there. Um, who knows? They can go either way, but it's there. And and if it's earned, if uh, whatever happens. So um, I, I think they did a good job with that as far as this cycle. Um they can't. They didn't do much with EO as far as the um, as far as the personality uh, perspective for her. Um, you get you you get the character. You get the aesthetic. Um, you get her relationship with 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 Kyrie and Kyrie kind of had the. You get a personality because she's so you know goofy and does her da- and will dance and that sort of thing. She's so light um, lighthearted. But um, with EO, you never got the. Aside from her connection to Kyrie, who, you know, was so cool, you know, everyone's cool with Kyrie, or whatever, because she's been around for a while. Um, you haven't really gotten that with EO. Um, I mean, you get the fact that she's a legitimate threat because she pinned Shayna, you know, uh, during the cycle to get to Phoenix or whatever, or after Phoenix, actually, um, to get to uh, NXT New York, take, take, uh, take over New York. But um, they haven't really done much in the way of her, and I thought. They could have, you know, kind of done something with the descent between them, her and Kyrie, when they were kind of stopping each other from getting pinfalls in the Fatal 4 match at New York. But um, they end up bringing up Kyrie to the main roster, so they don't really have that to, uh, to use. Um, but uh, I would say that it is, a, it, it is a nice touch of having her now be the, the person that stands up to Shayna the Bully in her uh, two goons. It's almost like... Um, I can't remember from The Simpsons, but it was like Nelson and the two other goofs that were out there that were older that were always messing with Bart. Like that's kind of what uh, Shayna has um, built for herself with uh, with with less go or less fight and less play. So, um, you know, I think if you're going to if they're ever going to do a time where Shayna leaves, this is this is you know as good as any. I mean, she's she's been overqualified and ready to move up to the main roster for. For you know multiple cycles now between these takeovers, uh, you know you look at the raw roster for the women's division and you're just like wow, like you couldn't use a Shayna Baszler, you couldn't use someone that can talk like that, someone that has that kind of presence, someone that um, wrestles that that kind of way, someone that wrestles a safe style, easy style for you know like younger, greener women to to wrestle. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's, it makes no sense to me. It boggles the mind. Literally like the only good explanation you have for it is, you know, she needs to stay around and try to lend some credibility to, uh, Marina and Jessamine, but they don't, they haven't given Marina or Jessamine a win on TV, um, since they've been around and they've been around now since November. It's been a while. So, um, it, it, it's, it's really weird. Um, but you know, 
either way, I, I think that this match is going to be great. Uh, for those that don't really, are, you know, that have seen bits and pieces, have seen, you know, the Mae Young Classic, um, you know, saw the match with Tony Storm, saw the match with Rio Ripley for EO um, in the semifinal match and also in the final at Evolution last year. Um, there's a whole nother level that EO can reach into. Um, me personally, I think she's the most skilled professional wrestler in the world that happens to be a woman. Um, I, I, I've seen, you know, plenty of matches with her that, that blow my mind and are on par with some of the best matches I've ever seen. Um, um, from even from the horsewoman, um, there's matches that she has with seemingly almost every single year since like probably like 2014, she's had a match with, with Miko Satomura and the match basically revolves around Miko kicks her head off and she fires up and comes back and she hits her with, 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 with all types of suplexes. And then she, you know, it, it goes to moonsaults and stuff like that. And, um, they wrestle back and forth, but it's a, it's a great work from underneath type of match for, for EO. Cause, uh, Miko's a boss over there in Japan. Uh, and then you also have the matches with um, with Mayu Watani, where you know she's she, at that point in time she's playing the heel throughout most of those uh, matches, or all but one of those matches, and she just you know she just was incredible, um, bumping all over the place. That's one thing about Io, like she's a bump master. Uh, it, it's Sasha Banks like <laughs> in a way where she just like she just folds in half, um, folds up like paper, um, and take big bumps. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, and also, she also has a great match. Um, I think 2017, I think with with Shayna and Stardom before. So they, it's it's people that she's worked before. Um, people she's probably cause she, I'm sure she's comfortable with. Um, she you know the match that they had at New York was great, but um, I think we can take it to the next level. And I think Shayna kind of needs that. Um, she hasn't really had one of those like kick ass. Four and a quarter, four and a half star women's match that you say like that was as good as you know, as a Sasha and a Charlotte, as good as a as a Bailey and a Sasha, as good as a you know women's four way, as good as um or Oscar versus Ember. We haven't really had one of those. Like we've had the matches with Kyrie and. You know, they were all, you know, about the level, but there was like just a little bit left. And like, you feel like if you were given like two, three more minutes, we could have gotten to that level. But we've always gone like the 10 minute route or so in that. So I think this is one where they can finally uh, put their best foot forward and and Shannon can finally get that home run out instead of just a triple. Um, moving on from there, the North American title match between the uh, between Velveteen Dream and uh, Tyler Breeze. I think it's a cool match, but, you know, short notice, they did a lot better with than I thought they were probably going to do with the Dijakovic thing, because that, that, um, national anthem thing that Velveteen did was dreadful, just absolutely dreadful, um, it's cool that they kind of have uh, focused on the character play between both of them, where they're both like the, for lack of a better word, like the divas of the division, like, you know, the prima donnas, if you will, and they're back basically fighting for that same real estate in the um nxt universe quote unquote um you know last time i saw breeze in a, in a feature match that went for length was that match against ricochet that match kicked ass um obviously ricochet is a better wrestler than velveteen but velveteen always comes to play he always puts his best foot forward you know that match with with ono um a while back like that match you know few things here and there were iffy but like the layout was there it just the execution was off but 
you know, for the most part, you see these matches, and I've seen Velveteen recently at the in, on the Largo Lube, as people like to call it, and he, he's just, he's just very very good. Like he's still young, but he's very very good. Um, so I think they're gonna have a killer match too. Like, um, if, is it gonna be Cole versus uh, Gargano? I know. <laughs> uh, I'd be I'd be very surprised if it's on that level. Um, will it be on the level of Roddy and Riddle? I seriously doubt that, but I think it'll be a four star. I think it has a, a great chance to to battle for four stars. Um, I you know I don't really know if I could put my mind around uh, Velveteen losing this match to Breeze, but you know Breeze is now a full time guy back at NXT again, so this would be a great shot in the arm to get him back going, and this also would be a great path to get Velveteen on the track towards the top title. So. Who knows? I mean, we just had Johnny. He had the belt. Uh, he had the North American title and won it in Phoenix, and then he lost it within two weeks uh, of you know of the show. So or three weeks, something like that. And then he immediately goes and get wins the NXT title. Maybe something like that. You know, uh, is in the cards for Velveteen. Who knows? I think the I think the real play is either way, whether it's um, Riddle or Velveteen, one of those dudes have to be the champion. Probably by, for me, it would be by the next SummerSlam pay-per-view or SummerSlam takeover. And then we get to WrestleMania and then the other one wins the belt and they have a match together. And that's and one of them gets sent off that way. I think that's the perfect way to handle that. Um, so moving on to Susan Riddle, we're going to talk about uh, him and Roddy Strong. Um, I think the, the interplay by both of them kind of latching on to the Gargano and the um, Cole stuff that definitely helped them because I'm not really too sure about Roddy as a promo. He's a terrific wrestler. He's one of my favorite wrestlers in all NXT. Just just knees and backbreakers, just vicious. He's fucking bang, just willing to break people over his back. Um, but I'm I'm not too sure. And he's you know he's very soft. He's not very soft, but he's soft spoken as well. So that doesn't really play um, that well. I mean, we had guys that are soft spoken, you know, make it or whatever else. Like people like Alistair Black, for example. He's a soft spoken, well spoken guy, and he's a killer. <laughs> I mean, the spinning back roundhouse of justice does not play. So um, I think for me, when it comes to this match in particular, is I know the match is going to be incredible. I know the match is going to be a battle for. Maybe four and a half stars, that sort of thing. But um, I wonder what's next for both of them. And I'm interested because this is kind of the the the, the swing uh, match on the card because I think you know the result or whatever happens as far as storytelling or interference, whatever kind of tips his, or the result kind of tips his hands as to what's going to happen later in the card and what is possibly going to happen down the road for NXT television for the next you know few months going into. NXT Toronto 2, or NXT TakeOver Toronto 2, so um, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing that, because I, I love those two guys, and like he's going to bring such a good, such a level out of Riddle, and like Riddle's just going to piss Riddle's the best, he just kicks the shit out of you, and just beats the hell out of you, and drops you on your head, and just uses his body as a weapon, just all parts of his body, whether it's his knee or his back like, that that moonsault that half-turn moonsault he does, where he just ends up landing on you like a centon is just awesome, so I can't wait for that. Um, the North American... Oh, I'm sorry, not North American. The four-way tag team ladder match. That match is going to be awesome. Um, 
I wish that they had did a, came up with a better way to get to this than just they had a fake match with the War Raiders and then it was a Smalls and they laid the belts down. I think that's kind of weak, but not kind of. I think that is weak. They should just beat them on the way out, but whatever. Um, we have this. There wasn't much in the way of story. I think that's kind of the reason why they went up to this to the last minute and they've only been doing brawls or whatever else, but, you know, um, Morgan and Birch, they're a team that, you know, since Chicago last year, but was basically this takeover in the cycle last year, they got themselves over like Rover in that crazy match against uh, O'Reilly and Strong. Um, it's unfortunate what happened with Lorcan's face where he ended up breaking it and he had to take some time off, but um, they never really refocused on them. Um, but this is the time for them to, you know, kind of get themselves in a little bit of shine. I don't think they're going to win. I think there's only really two teams that can win. Either Street Profits need to win this or it needs to go back to Fish and, o and O'Reilly. Um, Street Profits, I think it's their time. Um, they've, 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 they've done everything you could do. Like, they were a super, they were always more over than just being a mid-card tag team. But the problem was it was Undisputed Era. And they were in the middle of, you know, one of the best, best tag team feuds I've ever seen with Mustache Mountain last year. And then they were going back and forth with uh, TM61 or TM66, the Mighty. I'm just calling them the Mighty. Uh, the Mighty guys over their chains being stolen and they had to goof around with them with that sh those shenanigans. Um, but we're past that now. And that match against the War Raiders um, where they had them on the ropes reeling for a while and that little sprint of a match, that was a great match. Um, you know. Every single person that was in the, every single team that was inside of the, the uh, Dusty Rose Tag Team class from earlier in this year, there was all kick-ass tag teams. Those are all the best tag teams in the in the entire company, aside from, you know, the Usos, the New Day, the Revival. But after that, like the the next, you know, eight teams are all like the best teams in the company, um, and they are amongst them. Like that match they had with the Street Props was awesome. I'm not Street Props, but with Mustache Mountain was awesome. So, um, this is their time. Like they had, they have the promo, like Montez is somebody that like has solo success run all over him. Um, and you know, in different times he would, you know, that right now in this era in the main roster, who knows, but at different time you, you just see him and just like you see a bunch of other guys around and you just see all the, all the potential and all the possibilities with him. Like he's a freak athlete. He's charismatic as hell. Um, charisma is just oozing off of him. Um, he's also with a he's also with D'Angelo and D'Angelo's straight up brawler, and they've made something out of him. If you go through these NXTs, we talk about him when he's wearing a bat, he's dressed up as a, a nerd chic. You look at where he is, where he's his brawler now, and you know he has his one liners. He sticks, he stays in the role like he's able to play the laid back guy compared to someone like Montez, and they're a perfect tag team. Like and. You know, they've been doing the work by going out and doing the Evolve stuff. They're really rounding into shape. I think this is their time. Street Profits. I'm not Street Profits, but uh, Forgotten Sons. Nah. Like, <laughs> nobody wants to see that shit whatsoever. Like, they need something to move Jackson Riker off and make him go solo. Singles. He don't need goons. He is the goon. Right? He don't need henchmen. He doesn't need minions. He can move, move off his own and, you know, we'll just have Blake be, you know, move on to something else. Like, but those two other guys, nah. Like, they're good workers, but that's it. Like, just they're just guys there to do stuff. 
Um, so what I think that match is going to be killer. Um, I'm thinking, you know, somewhere over four and a quarter. I think that match is going to be uh, one of those matches where it just, it's just all the cotton candy. And I can't wait to see what Montez Ford does off a ladder. I can't wait to see what um, Oni Lorcan does as far as from a flip standpoint or, or going nuts with chops. and Or just, a you know, when he basically gets his quote-unquote hot tag in and during this eight-person extravaganza of brutality and falls. So uh, that match is going to be great. I think I covered it. So I said, uh, all but the main event, right? That's, I've talked about the Yale match. I talked about the, uh, North American match. I talked about the Roddy match. I talked about this match. Oh, so it's time for the main event. I think that this match is going to be better than the match that they had at New York because there's one fall and people can focus on the one fall and they don't know. And they know that they don't have to sit in their hands for the first two falls and all the building that they did in the first two falls of, uh, the first match, that I think it was like 18 minutes with the first fall. It just felt like you're just waiting there like, come, come on, get to it, get to it. In this case now, when it's only one fall, the crowd's going to buy everything more. Um, the, the match doesn't have to go as long now. It's going to be better served by going shorter. I think they're going to have a better match. Um, it's saying something because, you know, it's a divisive thing, but I think it's, I thought that match was like a four and three quarters level match. A lot of people think that was the best match I've ever seen. I would say that the last fall is amongst some of the best wrestling I've ever seen in my life. So I, I'm not necessarily like think that they're crazy for feeling that way. But um, that last fall was something special. And if they can put that together for one fall and the crowd can buy it, will, will be, you know, just into it just emotionally and because they know, I think they have a chance to tear the house down again. Um, you know, there's been talks about this is this is the time for to pull the trigger on Cole. I think that that to me is to me as a Johnny Gargano fan, I think that's kind of weird. Like he be, I think he'd been better served never, never winning the belt than, than to win the belt and then lose it a week, you know, or the next cycle, like 10 weeks later. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. I think that Johnny would be better served as a person to set up for the next guy, whether in, you know, even the storylines we have there, like that could be riddle. Um, I think riddle versus Gargano is a match that I'd be dying to see. Um, you know, it's, it's no not against Cole, but, like, they've beat Cole at every single moment, every big moment to every big guy. Um, and if not for the Ciampa thing, he would have been in the fatal, or he would have been in the three-way for the North American title with Riddle. He probably would have took that pin. It would have been, uh, it would have been Velveteen that would have pinned him. I saw a match in the, in the Largo Loop um, maybe, like, a month ago or so where they actually had that match and for the North American title. And guess who took the pin? And guess who pinned him? So, um, but anyway, um, I think they're gonna have a great match. Either way, um, I don't, I don't think that either one of them is is right for them to move up at this time right now. They have so many people on the main roster that are just around, not doing nothing. I, where's EC3? Alistair's in the room that Bray Wyatt's dolls weren't occupying. Also in the same dark room that Mojo Riley was in and occupying. So. There are a bunch of guys that they, they have at their disposal to use. They don't need more NXT guys. I mean, obviously, you know, Vince goes on his whims. Ah, we need more. Uh, this toy's broken. I need more toys. Damn it. You know, it's going to be what it is. And they're going to have to break the seal on some of these people. But um, right now, I, I say no. And, but I will say that after this, um, I'm interested to see what they do as far as women's division. The Candice thing. Candace always is uh, a player that they have never really fully gone in. She's always been kind of on the periphery. I mean, I, 
you know, I don't really think they've ever used her as even the secondary uh, storyline in the women's division. I like to see her move up a little bit. Um, I would like to see, you know, once they get the tag team, women's tag team titles off these jokes, we can actually see some, you know, Casey and Lacey, um, you know, the, I mean, they've been using and pushing, you know, during this cycle, uh, Vanessa and Aaliyah, but those are good foils or whatever, right? Like, you know, it is what it is with them and you know why they, they get heat or why they think they'll get heat and Lacey and Casey will make a great foil for them. Uh, I think that if they decided to team up EO and Candice or when they were going to do EO and Kyrie, that would have made for, um, interesting matchup of, uh, of personalities or whatever else. And, you know, we still have Marina and um, and Jessamyn at play, and they gotta eventually, eventually, you hope they would give them some credibility as opposed to just being some geeks that only beat up like the weaklings uh, when Shane is around. But we'll see. But I think it's gonna be a great show. I th- it was funny because me and Rich um, were talking about the greatness of Double or Nothing. And um, we, we do this every so often, especially with takeovers, because it, it, they're so special. Um, and it's almost like coming, almost get, uh, start to not appreciate fully and kind of get numb to how awesome these shows are where you, you go and you'll see the Meltzer ratings or whatever else. And obviously the Meltzer ratings are the end all be all. They're just a, you know, a reference sheet for if you're somebody that wants to get a quick look at something, you see one guy's opinion that watches a shit ton of wrestling and there they are. So you would see his Meltzer ratings for average star ratings for TV for shows. And it was cool that. Double or nothing ended up being getting like a 4.07 um, average star rating. And it's interesting because after the show, Josh from Keeping It Strong Style said that he thinks this is this is possibly the greatest pay-per-view or special ever for wrestling in North America or, or America. My initial reaction is, but what about TakeOver? So then, you know, he started thinking about it, and uh, I don't know where we set stand on where we uh, settled on that after that. But then um, today, the or earlier, yeah, earlier today, the ratings came out. So then um, I start, I just typed it in, you know, putting the average, plus on that four point oh seven, and then I, you know, I pull up um, the profile DB and go through the average star ratings for pay per views, and then you just go through and you just see, you know. Take over New York, take over New Orleans, take over Florida, um, take over War Games, and you just think like you kind of forget how special these shows are. Um, and it's funny because this is one week right after that, and it's also sandwiched between them going or the main roster going back to Saudi Arabia, or I'm sorry, the main roster men going back to Saudi Arabia. But it's here, and. Um, I think it's going to be great again. Uh, it was funny because I it was brought up Rich again, and he had said, I had asked him, what are your, what do you think the over-under are for the star ratings for this takeover? And he ended up coming out and gave me his, gave me a thing, and I ended up averaging that out, and it turned to be that he thought it was going to be like a four average of 4.25. And I was like, look, man, um, that, like, I thought it was going to be a little higher. I thought it was going to be 4.35. But the crazy part about it is, like, that is going to, that would be one of the greatest wrestling shows you've ever seen. Um, excluding anything. That'd be one of the, one of the greatest shows you've ever seen. So is that's the standard for, for NXT takeovers. And, you know, um, it hasn't been much buzz for this one compared to other ones. 
Um, I don't know if that's because the AEW love. I don't know if it's because the main roster and the you know the, the Moxley news and all things moving around with, around the rest of the world of wrestling on the larger scale. But like it's it's funny that all this stuff is going on with the main roster, and it seems that people have forgotten, or people that def- that are you know, let's say WWE apologists or Fed Defense Squatters or people that are you know, very into or, or very loving of the WWE product, they, when they, when they, it's almost as if they forget that, like, if you have something to ever defend in modern wrestling, as far as the WWE product, it is absolutely NXT. It stands up to virtually anything else in the world, and they should be, you know, they should be out here cheerleading and campaigning for it, and, you know, but for some reason it's overlooked, and in some cases it's even you know, kind of pushed aside and distance as far as saying like, that's not it. And, you know, I don't get it, but if you are a fan of pro wrestling, I hope you guys enjoy these shows. Um, I, you know, there's going to be a certain breaking point where like, we're not going to get these shows anymore. And like a lot of the, the churn that we were getting of special people and special acts, like the ricochets and Alistair blacks and, um, the Andrade's, we may not begin these, you know, just on a assembly line for the rest of time. It might, it may end one day. I hope it doesn't, but it may end. Nothing's guaranteed, right? Um, Vince may run. <laughs> Rady's burning out through all these people. They might call another batch of guys, and it's boom, gone. Like, right? Johnny's already been on the main roster and been back. What happens this time around? What happens after SummerSlam? So, I'll just say, um, enjoy the show. It's gonna be great. You know, <laughs> there are a few things in uh, professional wrestling. I feel like. I can just bank on and say that's gonna be great. Like Russell Kingdom, gonna be great. Dominion, gonna be great. The G1, gonna be great. Apparently, you know, starting a track record where when a show is produced by the Young Bucks and Kenny and Cody, it's gonna be a hell of a show. Takeover, same thing. It's gonna be great. So kick back, relax, and enjoy. Um, so next week I'll be back with you guys, and I will be covering the first show that we end up missing, the first NXT Takeover from 2014, I think it's May 2014, and um, I'll be going over that, and I'll also be going over um, the week following from five years ago, that time, that takeover, or not a takeover, that episode of NXT, and then we'll also go over those two matches we get on the house from the dark matches for um, TakeOver 25, and then we'll be back on the normal path, but uh, I just want to say thank you guys for listening. Be sure to rate us on whatever app you're using to listen to this. Tell the folks about the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Be sure to check out our friends at Powerslam.tv, the sponsor for this show. If you're a fan of independent pro wrestling, they have over 5,000 hours of footage from all over the world. You can use the code Social Suplex to get your free month's trial. Don't forget to visit our shop at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex and pick up some Social Suplex podcast network merchandise be sure to check out our other shows on the on the social suplex podcast network on sundays we have one nation radio that'd be me and rich on tuesdays we have keep it a strong style on wednesdays we have the ricky and clive wrestling podcast on every other wednesday we have grown men watch this shit on thursdays and sometimes fridays and apparently even sometimes saturdays we have nxt then now forever we also have on fridays get in the ring and on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good time watching NXT TakeOver 25. Later.